Um, we continue in our series, Adam and Eve. Today we are in season one, episode three. Season one, episode three. We started by looking at relationships um, three weeks ago. Last week, um, we looked at seduction. Seduction. And this week, by the grace of God, we will be looking at love and sex. This teaching is rated PG-18 <laughs> or DFH-18, <laughs> you know, which means that um, if you are here with your, your teenage son or your teenage daughter, we have a section dedicated for them. So um, could you please encourage them to get up even right now and make their way to their class. If you are less, younger than 18, 18, um, uh, 17 and below, um, could you wave to me? I'm 17 and below. Don't be shy. Come on, wave to pastor. <laughs> okay, so we are all set. Now, when it comes to our lives, generally, every area of our lives, everyone must decide what will be the authority in their lives. You have to decide what will dictate the things you do, how you do the things you do. You could, you could either accept the culture of the, uh, as the authority of your life, or you could accept the word of God as the authority of your life. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then you should accept the word of God as the authority of your life. So regardless of what the culture is saying, the word of God should remain the authority of your life. But many times, because we are in this world, the culture has an effect or uh, uh, an influence on us, and, and we, we tend to want to go with the, with the, with the earth. We, we tend to want to flow with the culture. Praise the Lord. But at every point in time, we have to stop and realign with the Word of God. And I'm praying that as we um, open our hearts to Jesus, God will realign us to His Word in Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 4, as we are aware, of, we, we are looking at Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve primarily, mainly are in Genesis. So, We'll be doing a lot of reading from uh, Genesis. Genesis chapter 4 from verse 1. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. The Word of God says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Now, we are all going to read this together. Let's read together. Get up from the screen. One, two, go. Now. Amen. Many times in the past, when I read the um, older translation of, of this particular passage of scripture, it says, and Adam knew his wife. And um, and his wife, I was okay, Adam knew his wife, and, you know, she just became pregnant like that. <laughs> you know, it was an introduction. Since Adam met your wife, and he knew his wife, and, you know, and she became pregnant. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but thank God for um, newer translations that complement the older ones. And it says in New Living Translation, Adam had sex with his wife. Everybody say sex. sex. In church? <laughs> Everybody say sex. sex. Oh, man. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Can you see the difference? Now everybody say sex. sex. Some people still did not talk. You know why we struggle? We struggle because 
all our idea of sex has been tied to filth. You know, we struggle because we, we, we kind of see sex as, you know, something that should not be, be discussed or, or, or said in a holy gathering. How many people know that this is a holy gathering? And Jesus is here. Many times we develop this earlier than God. I remember some time ago I was um, uh, staying in the guest house in Patakot. I was a project in Patakot. And at the guest house there was this um, Muslim guy there, good guy. And we began to talk about God. And I was telling him about Jesus. And, you know, he, he, in my, by my estimation, he was tilting towards accepting Christ. And he stopped and says, well, he has a problem with the Christian faith. I, I said, what the pro- what's the problem? I said, that, have I read the Songs of Solomon? He says, the man says he put the wife's breast in his mouth. He says, how can that be a holy book? I tried to tell him that, look, listen, if God put it there, that means the breast is holy. Praise <laughs> Now, God said to Adam and Eve, get busy, be fruitful, get what? How can you be fruitful? Get busy. They were slacking. How do you know they were slacking? They didn't get busy on the chapter 4. They were still hanging around the trees talking to the serpent. Meanwhile, God says, get busy. Now, imagine if they had gotten busy, immediately God said, get busy. And they've given back to the firstborn, the first sin. What could have happened? I don't know. But the boy wouldn't have had teeth to eat the fruit. Maybe we will have some respite. I don't know. But, but, but the key thing is, get busy. I said to people that just um, newly wed, I said, guys, get busy. I can't just marry a wife. I said, you are going on, on, on training for six months. Then you leave your newly wed wife alone. Something wrong with that. Don't let Satan talk to your wife. <laughs> it's true. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> get busy, God told them. Now, Men can do crazy things for sex. Historically, men have done crazy things for sex. Crazy things for sex. In fact, it's historically proven that one of the reasons why the natural carnal man will go after power and finances and have a lot of money is so that he can have a lot of sex partners. Historically. And if you check, even in the modern day, it's playing out. Why? Because we learned last week, women gravitate towards power, financial power, political power, um, all sorts of power. So men will do anything to get power so that they can have multiple sexual partners. Why do you think, you know, I said, I'm thinking, why will they, a man strap bomb all over his body, the extremist uh, Muslims, and go and blow up himself? Why would a man do that? Do you know why they do that? Because they are promised that when they die like that, they will get 21 virgins. Now think about it. Here's a guy on earth, he doesn't have money, he doesn't have power, no babies looking in his direction. And some guy says, you know what? If you can do this, 21 fresh virgins for you. The guy says, me, 21, and he begins to imagine. You say, where's the bomb? <laughs> Put it on me, praise the name of the Lord. That is why they do that. Well, that's the promise, one of the promises they get for doing it. Check. It's in the Quran. Get 21 virgins. Wow. What a compensation. 
Now, when you talk about love, love has, um, uh, uh, there are several words that are translated love or mean love. There are about five of them in, in ancient Greek, you know. But three of them are, are very popular. In fact, three of them are, are, are the most popular because the remaining five, some people say seven, they have different words. All the other variations can find their bearing from these three. So when we talk about love, it could be what is called eros. Everyone say eros. It could be what is called philia. Everyone say philia. Or it could be what is called agape. Agape. Eros is um, the steamy, passionate, intimate love between a man and a woman. Eros is where they get, you get the word erotical and stuff. So eros is sexual, passionate, intimate, steamy love. Philia is brotherly love, friendship. Friendship. And agape is selfless, unconditional, sacrificial love. So when you, when you use the word love, you know, it, it, it could be either of the three. It could be either of the three. But it's eros that has to do with sex. There's agape and there is um, philia. So when it comes to love and sex, we are going to talk about a couple of things. I'll just be going. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. Wherever we stop, we stop. Praise the Lord. When it comes to love and sex, number one, for you to have a fulfilling life, you must experience philia and agape. For you to have a fulfilling life as an individual, married or single, you must experience philia, that is brotherly love, dispassionate love, Loyal love, friendship, and agape, unconditional love. In other words, you must have people that are loyal to you, that will love you in spite of yourself. If you like that, then you will have issues. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Romans 5, 8, the word of God says that, but God showed his great love to us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So God showed us agape. In other words, unconditional love, un unconditional sacrificial love. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. For you and I to experience a fulfilling life, we must have in our lives brotherly love, people that are just your friends, and agape, unconditional love, people that love you in spite of yourself. Praise the name of the Lord. That's all you need to have a fulfilling life. You don't need to get married to have a fulfilling life. You can be married and miserable. Don't get me wrong. If you want to get married, you will get married in Jesus' name. But you see, we need to just say these things as they are. Jesus was never married. But Jesus had agape. He had failure. Jesus never experienced errors. And he lived a fulfilling life. A fulfilled life, rather. Jesus only had Brotherly love from Peter, James, John, Mary, the three Marys, and agape, unconditional love from his father, his heavenly father. That is all you need. Say to your neighbor, that is all you need. That is all you need. you need. 
for your life to be fulfilled. That is all you need. That is all you need. Praise the name of the Lord. So, sex is not love. That's a big lie. Sex is not love. Or rather, <laughs> sex is not love, meaning, you know, the word says to us, when they talk about love, they will always bring sex into it. And trying to tell us that without passionate sexual love, you cannot have love. No, that is wrong. Number two. Number one, we said for you to have a fulfilling life, you must experience what? An agape. Number two, for you to have a fulfilling or a fulfilled married life, a fulfilled marriage, you must experience filia, agape, and eros. If you are married and all you have been experiencing is filia and agape, you cannot have a fulfilled married life. Really. So the singles are even better positioned. They don't need to be worried about the errors. Praise the Lord. One mistake a lot of married people make is by compartmentalizing sex and viewing it separate as love. In marriage, sex is love. I hope that doesn't sound contradictory. In marriage, you see, you don't compartmentalize. Don't say, oh, you know, someone says, oh, my husband and wife, we are so in love. We can just sit together. And, oh, I said, when, when last were you guys intimate? Oh, that's not, you know, we love ourselves in spite of the fact that we've not been intimate in one year. Investigate it well. Somebody is receiving something somewhere else. <laughs> so, in, in, in marriage, you cannot separate love and sex. Love is expressed in sex, and sex is expressed in love. Do you get that? They are, they are mingled together. You know, and you know, married women particularly need to understand this. Married women, I have good news for you. Your husband is not a pervert. He's not a rabbit. A newlywed lady um, some years ago said to me, oh, she just, I mean, nice lady, you know, nice guy. The guy is very gentle. You can't even know that he's like that, you know. So the girl came to me almost panting, Pastor, this man is going to kill me. You know, I said, where, how was the problem? He says, everywhere he sees me. He sees me in the kitchen. He wants to have sex with me. He sees me in the bathroom. He wants to have sex with me. Pastor, will you help me, please? Help me. <laughs> She's a new bride. So, that this man has a problem. I assured her. And physically, I'm very gentle. Watch out for gentle. <laughs> very, very gentle guy. They are both ministers now. I will tell you for them. I've told you that. <laughs> Very gentle guy. Anyway, now, as I showed her, this man is not on drugs. He's not a pervert. He's not a rabbit. He just loves you. I say, hmm. What kind of love is that? You know? But you see, that is, that is how the man is wired. The, the man loves his wife. What does he want to do? And in some cases, it's the other way around. But in most cases, maybe 85% of the time, it's the men. You cannot separate love and sex. In marriage, you cannot separate love and sex. Some women regulate um, sex with their husbands. 
in an alarming rate, alarming rate. There's this graphic that I saw. Um, you can put up the graphic of the woman regulating sex for, for her husband. The, the woman said they have this thing that they would um, roll. So the man will go and spin. The probability of sex is one out of 12. And on his birthday, he gets two spins. <laughs> so that reduces it to one out of six. One out of 12 in every instance, actually. Probability. Now, that's the picture of a lot of people now, for those of us, that, a lot of people that are single, they have this erroneous idea, oh, that once I'm married, it's just sex galore. Okay. Get married first. The key thing here is 1 Corinthians 7, 3 to 5, says your body is not your own. It doesn't belong to you. Your body is on your own. So a wife said to the husband one day, the Bible said you, your body is not your own, Mr. Man, it's my own. So I hereby decree this body that is my own does not have sex today. She flipped it around for him. <laughs> Praise the name of God. This body that is mine. But God is saying, your body does not belong to you. Number three. If you are single, leave Eros alone until marriage. Leave Eros alone. Leave Eros alone. Everybody say, leave Eros alone. Until marriage. Leave Eros alone. Songs of Solomon is a very graphic book when it comes to sexual relationship between a man and a woman. And I've, I, I think I shared from first experience how I was trying to minister to some guy, good guy, who is a Muslim, and I was trying to talk to him about Jesus. And we got to a point where I thought that, okay, this guy's about to decide for Jesus. And, you know, he just came up with this and said, look, that he can't accept the Bible as the word of God. And I said, why, why wouldn't you why wouldn't do that? Because if you can't accept the Bible as the word of God, you have an issue being a Christian. Do you understand? You, you, for you to be a successful Christian, you must accept the Bible as the word of God. And he said, no, 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 that the Bible cannot be the word of God because that, have I read a book called the Book of Songs of Solomon? I said, yes. He says, how can it be in the holy book that the woman should put her breast in a man's mouth? I said, you cannot be holier than God. If it's in the, the Bible, that means the breast is holy. Everyone said the breast is holy. <laughs> I didn't say it. It's in the Bible. Now, if it's, look, listen, listen, listen. You cannot be holier than God. God says it is holy, it is holy. God says sex is honorable. Marriage is honorable. And the bed is on the fire, talking about sex. Then it is honorable. Why are you feeling guilty every time you, you make love with your spouse? Why are you feeling guilty? Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. There's a lady that had to, we had to do some form of deliverance for. Why? Every time her husband is, is they are together, she says she just something just she just wants to push him away. And the poor guy has been experiencing that for a long time, but Jesus set them free. Praise the Lord. In Songs of Solomon chapter two verse seven, Songs of Solomon chapter three verse five, Songs of Solomon chapter eight verse four, you, you will see this lady, this beloved, pausing in the middle of action, if you will, and advising. Promise me. Another translation says, "I plead with you, I beseech you, O daughters of Jerusalem, O women of Jerusalem." 
not to awaken love until the time is right. Now, this woman in, 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 in 2 7, particularly in, in verse 6, the Bible, the, the Bible says, and she was saying, I experienced, oh, my beloved put his left hand on my head, at the back of my head, and put his right hand around me. You know, that's a very serious position, you know. And he goes on and goes on. Then he stops, she stops, and she says, oh, daughters of Zion, promise me one thing don't awaken this thing until the time is right. And that is so important for those of us that are single. Don't awaken this thing called Eros until the time is right. You mess up your life. You mess up too many things. Don't awaken it. Let the sleeping dog lie. Don't awaken it until the time is right. Why such a strong plea? The six of Songs of Solomon 8. Why such a strong plea? The six says... Why should you not awaken love? He says, for love, Eros, is as strong as death. Wow. Is jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire and the brightest kind of flame. Love is as strong as death. <laughs> Verse 7. You know, have you, have you read it before? When, when they say, go and take a shower, you'll be fine. Right? Guys, particularly. Oh, yeah, now. Am I the only one that has taken showers in the past? The Bible says, many waters cannot quench. If you like, soak in the shower. <laughs> Nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer will be utterly scorned. When a woman truly loves you. Listen to me. Whether you have money or you don't have money will not be an issue. When a woman truly loves you. Money will not be an issue at all. How do I know, Pastor? Because I have a woman that truly loves me. Money is not an issue. Was not. An issue. I have to be truthful now. It became an issue later on. <laughs> but the, the truth is that that phase, money will not be an issue. As explaining how we know, I, I, I kind of got married to, to my wife, and we can say their parents are comfortable. Let's just put it like that. And the day to our wedding, I didn't have a house. I stayed with my brother, and I was not going to get married in my brother's house. I mean, you know, that's a bad idea. Bad idea. We got the house the day to the wedding. In fact, the night to the wedding, to the wedding day. Now, I'm not advising you to do that. But that was the situation I found myself in. And my wife knew. I didn't hide from her. You know, there was no, nothing to hide. And she had no problem with it. So if there was no house, it means there was, and I didn't have anything. I, didn't, I wasn't buying stuff when I was in my brother's house. I was using their stuff. So when we got married, after we got married, we went together to go and buy a long chair. That chair has, you know, we are kind of attached to the chair. Um, a bed, a stove, and a fan. You know what the fan is for, right? Think, 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 think. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, that was all we had. Nothing mattered. I've heard people say, oh, what's happening to the ladies of nowadays? Married, married a carpenter. The ladies of nowadays, they don't want you to be a carpenter. They want you to be a furniture maker. Maybe. The point is this. Guys, don't miss this. If a girl really loves you, it won't matter whether you have money or not. Ladies, don't miss this. If you really love a guy, it wouldn't matter whether he had money or not. Now, let me explain this. I said that it now mattered later on, right? 
Let me explain that so that some people don't get, don't misconstrue it. Now, <clears throat> when you now need to do stuff, you had, you had passed the honeymoon stage, everything is glowing, you know, your, your wife wants to come back early from work, right? And you are not getting the promotions you need to get at work. Why? Because you are not putting your extra effort you need to put in to get the promotion. Why? Because you are spending the time with your wife. After a while, your wife will advise you. You know what? You can come home a little bit later so that you can get the extra money. <laughs> Are you guys getting this? If you now make a mistake and think that, oh, she's just interested in you because of the money, you are making a big mistake. Why? Because did she not follow you when you didn't have money? She's just saying, man up. I was saying, man up. Be the man. Love is as strong as death. Love is as strong as death. Love intoxicates. We learned last week everything that intoxicates seeks to control. Love makes you do weird and crazy things. Love can make a man do strange things. Put up the next graphic. Here is a man washing the pants of a lady. Is this love? If you say this is love, shout hallelujah. If you say this is not love, say amen. Now, I don't have to tell you the group that said hallelujah and the group that said amen. <laughs> Love can make you do strange things. So if you, wake, if, you, if you awaken it before time, imagine this guy. He has washed this blue one. They've brought more for him to wash. The red one, the white one. Then after a while, the girl says she's not doing it again. What will happen to him? Listen, you can't be awakening love when you are not ready because it makes you do strange things. Now, some people have said that we are showing this kind of picture in church. That's the problem with religion. That's the major problem with religion. Put it up, my friend. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so, Pastor, how do you know that some people have said, you know, many times the Bible said, and Jesus knew what was in their hearts. Have you read it before? The key thing here is that, and I'll tell you this, I'm not ashamed of it. I've watched the part of only one woman in my life, my wife. And guys, that is love. <laughs> right there. <laughs> A lady covered her face for me. That ah, this man. <laughs> it's okay. You can take it off. Now, the, the, the key thing is that there's, there's some of us we cannot we cannot love our wives that freely. Something is wrong with that. Something is wrong with that. You should be able to love your wife this freely. Somebody say, ah, pastor, no. <laughs> and I know when some women get home today, they're going to give some merchandise to their husband. <laughs> and they're going to tell them, follow your 
pastor. The woman is looking for her husband. I hope you can hear. Your own work is waiting for you. There's nothing wrong with it. You see, listen, the terrible thing is if it has been stirred up, God forbid, and I've been washing, you have washed for A, you, got, you meet B, you are washing for B. Something is wrong with you. I'm not ashamed to say it because that it is love. You can't understand it. When you fall in love with your wife, you will wash it with no questions asked. I don't wash it again. Not because I can, because I can't. Because we have a washing machine. So what do I do? I just toss it in the washing machine. And I say, what, what came over me when I was watching that? What came over me? <laughs> Sometimes I say to myself, what actually came over me? It's like a drug. When you come back to yourself, you will ask yourself some questions. Why did I do that? And that's why the Bible says, don't start it before it is time. When you start it before it is time. Now, you know, there's a story of a young man. The parents, very poor. They practically sold everything they had to send him to university. He fell in love with a girl, also from a poor background. So this guy, what he did is, he dropped out of university, he would collect the money for his parents, and he would pay the tuition of the girl. So the parents think their son is in year three, is in year four, is graduating, he graduated. The girl, Became a graduate. The guy obviously was not. Hey, don't worry, I'm a guy. We also, also, okay. She began to work. Levels now changed. And she said to him, "You know, you've done a lot for me." You see, when a girl begins to tell you, "You've done a lot for me," something is wrong. You know, you're in trouble. Oh, you, you've done a lot for me, and I really appreciate it. Guys, have you heard that before? I really appreciate it. But we can't be sentimental with these things. So she goes ahead and marries somebody else. What happens to him? Don't stir it up before it is time. It makes you do crazy things. It makes you sleep with people that you will later regret you have slept with. Don't stir it up before time. When it's time, time to get married. Pure and simple. Praise the name of Allah. Don't stir it up before time. Men that have been, that have stirred it up, we've had cases of men pouring acid on a girl's face, right? You know why? Because love is as strong as death. It's like, I can't have you, nobody else will have you. It's as strong as death. Don't stay up. Don't play with people's emotions. Don't stay it up. You'll be asking for trouble. Praise the name of the Lord. Number four, right? Sex is a spiritual, emotional, and physical oneness. So sex transcends the physical. Sex is not just physical. When you, when you have sex with someone, you are not just physically vulnerable to the person. You are not just physically vulnerable to carry every disease they have. You are also spiritually vulnerable. You are also emotionally vulnerable. So if the person is carrying baggage of curses, when you have sex with them, what happens? When a person is carrying legions of demons, when you have sex with them, what happens? You have sex with them, then you come home, you have sex with your husband or with your wife. What happens?
Praise the name of the Lord. You see, some things don't answer to prayer. Some of us are going through some strange manifestations. Some things don't answer to prayer. They only answer to repentance. Some things, fasting, will not solve it. It's only repentance that will solve it. You're like, why am I feeling this way? How come I'm not able to keep a home? Why? Because you have slept with somebody that had legions of anti-marriage spirits. You know they are anti-marriage spirits. Then you, you got married and, you know, it gets unleashed in your marriage. Those things are heavy. I can tell you stories upon stories upon stories of people that Jesus had to deliver that it's just because they had sex with the wrong person. Give the example in the first worship experience. A lady had sex with a man, strange man, because her friends had been putting her under pressure. She finished her vagina closed up. There was no hole there again. It's a pastor that was, telling, that was sharing it. And now she's troubling the man. They are praying, they are fasting, deliverance. Some people think everything is deliverance. Married men, I feel like last week, if you missed last week's service, please get the CD. Married men, for the sake of your family, your wife, your children, leave strange girls alone. Some girls are carrying some things that it will shock you. It will shock you. Everybody is nice, everybody is pretty, right? In the spirit realm, Totally different ball game. Totally different ball game. Praise the name of the Lord. So, are you, are you, are you single and sexually active? I have, a, I have a question for you. Can you let that go in pursuit of Jesus? Can you let that go in pursuit of Jesus? Can you let go of sex in pursuit of Christ? Can you do that for the sake of yourself? your future spouse and your destiny is, is, is that too much to ask to ask you to do definitely not definitely not like someone said and, and I quote that even in those moments when God is all that you have you will find that he is all that you need in the moment where you think you've abandoned everything, God is all that I have, God is all that I've, I've, I'm following, you will suddenly discover that God is all that you actually need. And it's not all that is more than enough for you. Praise the name of the Lord. Like I said, even if you're married, there will be seasons where, you know, maybe your spouse is ill. For a prolonged period of time, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? We've had cases where, for a prolonged period of time, the, the man's manhood was just looking south. No action. What do you want to do? But Jesus delivered him, and action was restored. What do you want to do? This is the time that you need to, I'm talking to single people, even married people, this is the time that you have to learn what it is to be content in God and God alone. So pursuing marriage more than pursuing God is idolatry, pure and simple, whether you're married or single. Pursuing marriage more than pursuing God is idolatry, it's idol worship, pure and simple. When you pursue marriage, more than you pursue God. If you are single and you are pursuing marriage, more than you pursue God. It's all about marriage, marriage seminar, marriage business. There's nothing wrong marriage seminar. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But that is all your pursuits. When you come to church, uh, are the guys going to be there? This section, usher should just leave me so I can sit beside a nice bloke. You know? When you pursue marriage, more than you pursue God, is idolatry. Even if you are married, when you pursue your marriage more than you pursue your God, it's idol worship. 
It's idolatry. When you, when you say, I'm going to pursue my marriage and I'm going to abandon my God, there's something wrong. People don't say that, but they do it. They do it. The best gift you can give your spouse is loving God more than them. That's the best gift you can give your spouse. It's loving God more than them. The best gift I can give my wife is to love Jesus more than my wife. The best gift my wife can give me is to love Jesus more than me. Some people erroneously think, oh, it's my husband, so it's my wife, so I have to do it. I have friends. I have a, a friend particularly that they were just adoring their marriage. Their marriage was their God. They say, oh, you know, we can't do that, you know, because we have to pay attention to our marriage. I'm like, what are you saying? When you pursue your marriage ahead of God, you're an idol worshiper. Number five, sex is a gift from God that should be opened in a marriage. Sex is a gift from God that should be opened in marriage. God has given you that gift of your sexuality. Where should you open it? In marriage. In marriage. Too often, we are tempted to see God as a depriver rather than a giver. And that is the lie that Satan sold to Eve. He said to Eve, oh, God is trying to deprive you of certain things. God is trying to deprive you of certain things rather than seeing that God is actually giving them life. And in its fullness. God gave sex. God said to man, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, get busy. As we said, someone called Dr. Gallo said, and I quote, sex was God's idea the second to salvation. And second to salvation is the best idea God ever had. That's what he said. But that is God that is there, I think I agree with that totally. Whether after salvation is still the, is the best, I'm not sure. What about Holy Ghost baptism? <laughs> I'm not sure. But it is God's idea. So when you have the gift of your sexuality, you give that gift to your spouse in marriage. And you give that gift to yourself. You give that gift to your spouse and you give the gift to yourself for your emotional peace, your spiritual calmness, your physical health. There was a lady that came to us with a, with, a, with, a, with a guy she wanted to get married to. And she said that some months ago, they were in service, and God gave us a word of knowledge. And we said that there was a lady here, you're about to, there's a guy that's been treating you well, wants to marry you, and you're about to sleep with him. God was saying to her, don't do it. You know? And she left the service. She knew it was her. She left the service, and she did the exact opposite. She slept with him. Apparently, he had HIV. So, months after, she tested positive also. And they both came to my office. And they said that, you remember that service? I didn't remember at the time. I didn't remember the service. That's, da 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 da. I was the one, but I disobeyed God. We wanted to pray that God would take away this HIV from both of us. I said I will pray because with God there is mercy, right? But it's left to God to take it away. So I prayed. You see, but the interesting thing about it, I don't know if I should call it good, but the interesting thing about it is they still planned to get married and they went ahead. I think they went ahead and got married. At least both of them know what they are carrying. <laughs> So when God is saying, keep yourself, it's for your own good. For your own good. Have you not noticed that after, for those that have been sexually active, after you have seen that God was, is still God, have you not noticed? 
that is, it doesn't make him richer, doesn't make him purer, it doesn't diminish anything from him. Nothing. It's for your own good. Praise the Lord. Number six. Sex is an act of worship. Sex is an act of worship. Everyone says sex. I mean within marriage. Is an act of worship. Everyone say an act of worship. In the first worship experience, a lot of people struggled with this. Struggled with it. Pastor, how can sex be an act of worship? I will show you. We glorify God when we use the gift he has given us, right? In the way he intended it to be used. So, if you can sing, and you are singing well, in the way that God is glorified, is worship. If you can pray, and you are praying for your brother, and he's healed, that's, a, that's an act of worship. If you can sweep, and you sweep well, that is an act of worship. Our service and our utilization of our gifts in the way that God has intended it is an act of worship. It also means that the abuse of the gift is an act, is an affront to God. So, what's the abuse of sex? Premarital sex. Fornication is an affront to God. It's an insult to God. Extramarital sex. Same-sex sex. Woman, woman. Man, man. Sex with an animal is an affront to God. It's an affront to God. Affront to God. But back to the Real purpose of sex. When the gift of sex ordained by God is pleasing to God, when it is experienced between a man and his wife, it glorifies God. And when we enjoy sex within marriage, we are worshipping God. When we enjoy sex within marriage, we are doing what? When we enjoy sex within marriage, we are what? We are worshipping God. There's another level to worship. Sex is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. So when you want to meet with your wife, invite the Holy Ghost. When we had the, the marital classes, you know, some married people struggled with this when I, when I shared it with them. Invite the Holy Ghost. Invite the Holy Ghost. Wah, wah, wah. Anymore. Wah, wah, wah. Alagara. Wow. Wow. When you are able to do that, your intimacy with your wife will go to another, or your spouse will go to another level entirely. When you are able to say, Holy Ghost, do we again? Do it again. Some people are they're like bastardizing their mind. How can Pastor, how can Pastor be, be reducing God to a bedroom affair? Do you know why? Because you don't even know who God is. Because you have no clue. If I tell you the ideas that God has given me, <laughs> I should say it. Should I say it? Should I say it? Lord, should I say it? <laughs> Are you the Lord? <laughs> okay, let, let me just say surface for you. You know, sometimes you don't. You know, women's their 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 you know arousal cycle is is different. You know, the man is like a switch. You know, is on, just switching on is on. You know, the woman needs to be it's like an electric stove, right? She warms up. If you invite the Lord, God can tell you what to say, that your wife will be. I'm telling you. 
And it's the Lord. It's the same Lord that says that there's someone here that is in need of cancer. It's the same Lord. You need to understand. You see, many times we struggle. I want to challenge you today if you're married. When you get home, and I want to encourage everyone that is married. We are still 18, right? We are still 18. Okay. Just invite the Lord. It may be awkward initially. Just invite the Lord. Say, Lord, we are going through this journey. We invite you to go with us. Lead us along the way, Lord. Let us arrive safely. <laughs> In our destination. <laughs> if you are single, you are, you are even better positioned because you can start, when you get married, you can start right. Some of us took us a lot of time before we understood these things. You can start right. And the amazing thing is that some people still feel some sense, slight sense of guilt when they meet with their spouse. I don't want to tell you to raise up your hand, but you know what I'm saying is true. You still kind of feel dirty. That is not God's will for you. When you learn to bring the Lord in, it cleanses you, and everything will be beautiful. Praise the Lord. You know, you know why? Listen, you know why? Because all we've learned about sex is associated with, with filth and the devil and the, and the bad things. So we cannot, we cannot, but God wants to baptize your sex life and make it pure and holy. Start by inviting God. So number one, Number one, some people have not gotten themselves, they are still confused. <laughs> Number one, what? Fulfill life, agape and? Number two, agape filia and? Number three, If you are single, leave Eros alone until marriage. Number four. Yes, it's for spiritual, emotional, and physical oneness. Number five. It's a gift from God that should be open in marriage. Number six. Sex is an act of worship. Number seven, love and sex are marathons. They are not sprints. They are marathons. They are not sprints. Some people have, an, have a level they want to get to their sexuality with their spouse, and they want to achieve it, everything on day one. No, you will hurt yourself, you will hurt the relationship. Sometimes, some things take time. Praise the name of the Lord. Some things take time. To love your wife, sometimes you, 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 you grow in loving your wife. As a man, I had to learn and you will have to learn also. I had to learn that I had to choose my wife again and again. I learned that beyond me choosing my wife on the day we got married and I stood before the congregation of God and I said that I take you, I've chosen you to be my wife, right? I learned that that is not the only time I choose my wife. I have to choose my wife daily over myself. I have to choose my wife over myself. Sometimes I, I'm selfish. I want to do stuff that will please myself. 
But I'm learning that I have to choose my wife over myself. I'm learning that I have to consistently choose my wife over, over other women. Do you think because you went to the altar, you've chosen your wife then, you will have to consistently choose your wife over every other woman. So you're going to meet a woman that is pretty and you feel attracted to the person. Big deal. It's an opportunity to choose. It's an opportunity to what? So at that time, what I do is I choose Damlola Munei again. Listen, you will meet someone that you're attracted to, whether you like it or not. It's the golden opportunity to choose. I learned that I have to keep choosing my wife. I have to keep choosing my wife. I have to keep choosing her. I have to keep choosing her. I have to keep choosing her. A friend of, for, for instance, a friend of Facebook will say, oh, de -de 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 -de, try to be close to me. I'll say, no, I hereby choose you know, you see, the choosing does not end. And that's the beauty of it. A lot of us, we've chosen our spouses. We've not learned to keep choosing and choosing. And we think it's automatic. It's not automatic. You have to keep choosing your spouse. Praise the name of the Lord. And you see, you have to keep choosing your spouse because the grass, the truth is that the grass sometimes appears greener. On the other side. So the, 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 the grass can look greener on the other side. It can. It can. But the truth is, when you really go close to that grass, you find out that it's not really greener. Praise the name of the Lord. The grass, as we said, is only greener where it is watered. Grass is greener where it is watered. So I water my grass. Praise the Lord. If somebody else's grass is looking greener to you, what does that tell you? Go and water your own. Go and water your grass. Say it to your neighbor. Go and water your grass. The only person that looks beautiful and beautiful, the closer you get, is who? It's Jesus. If there's anything like beautiful. The only person that looks beautiful and beautiful is Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when, when I see that it's a journey, that, that this thing of love and sex is a journey, it's a journey, it's a journey, it's a journey. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. I pace myself. I understand that, look, I have to consistently choose my wife. I have to consistently choose. If you get this principle, your life will change. I have to consistently choose my wife over myself and over other women. Consistently. So you see a beautiful woman, you look at her, you are beautiful, but I choose my wife. Chicken, no stories. I choose my wife. Eh. I have to know that even though the grass may appear greener on the other side, the grass is only greener where it is watered. So if the grass appeared greener on the other side, it means I have to water my own grass. I have to water my own grass. It's an opportunity for me to water my grass. And because I know it's a marathon and it's not a sprint, I am responsible for my happiness. I am responsible for my happiness. My wife is not responsible to make me happy. Your spouse is not responsible for your happiness. Wake up. You are responsible. Some husbands just cry like babies. Oh, you don't make me happy. Are you a baby? Make yourself happy. She doesn't make you happy. Make yourself happy. The Bible says that David encouraged himself. In the Lord. Encourage hey, yourself. In fact, it is scientifically proven, as this psychologist or whatever, you, that they did this analysis on happiness. That, was it? 
10%, yeah, or less than 10% of happiness is dependent on external factors. 90% of happiness is an internal thing. So you can do everything to make somebody happy. If the person is not going to be happy, the person is not going to be happy. So you have a problem in your hands. Someone that is totally insecure, totally disgruntled, cannot draw joy from, this, from the Lord, will drown you. And you have to understand that I am responsible for my own happiness. You cannot delegate your happiness to your wife or to your husband. It is your sole responsibility. I'm going, to, I'm going to stop here. I have many things to say. Maybe season two of Adam and Eve. Um, if you're here, you, 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 you are not saved. Or you, you're saying you used to be saved, but you have gone back to sin. I want to pray with you if you want to come back to God. I want to pray with you that God will cleanse you again, that God will make you clean. You are saying, Pastor, that is me. I've gone away from God. I don't even know God. I, I, I'm, I'm far from God. Will you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Let's keep our, let's, let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads and focus on God. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Could you be kind enough to lift up your hand? Jesus, come in today. Come in to stay. We pray for everyone that has accepted you today. Father, we ask that you cleanse them totally and reveal yourself to them and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying.